Can you hear me now? Okay. Good. <laughs> well, it's so good to be with you here this morning. Um, we're going to be starting a new series called Unoffendable. And uh, as we dive in this morning, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about my experience uh, working as a correctional officer here in Wyoming County. Now, I know for some of you that may have made you chuckle because here's mild-mannered, quiet Kurt working as a correctional officer in a jail. I know it's strange, all right? Um, but it did actually happen. Um, so, but while I was there, I'll never forget one of my first, uh, uh, first time booking somebody in. I, was, I started booking them in and uh, it had to do their fingerprints, you know? And, you know, there's a certain way you have to do fingerprints where you get, you know, the whole finger. And I was getting it pretty much pretty, pretty well, but apparently the inmate that I was booking in had done this several times before. So he reminded me, oh, well, you got to make sure you turn it. You got to make sure you, t you know, get that whole fingerprint, um, which I thought was amusing because, well, um, I did it like perfectly after that. Okay. But anyways, that... So there was a lot of experiences I had at, at the jail where I observed different behavioral dynamics. And, and one of the things while I was there that I would see is that sometimes people would get booked in, and when they're getting booked in, they're in their street clothes. And while they're in their street clothes, sometimes there'd be some level of defiance, some level of, I don't want to be here, you can't make me stay here. But then something would happen. Then something would happen. They would go and they'd change in, out of their street clothes into their oranges. All right? They would go in to and change, and the behavior changed. And it was like there was some level of acceptance. There was some level of, oh, I can't do anything about this now. I'm stuck here. And so the behavior would change, and then they would, they would be like, all right, I'm in jail now. Can't do nothing about it. So one of the things we're, we're going to be talking about today is the prison of offense. We're going to be talking about the prison of offense. Change your approach to offenses and you'll stop being offended. All right? How many of you are offended by that statement? Nobody? Change your approach to offenses and you'll stop being offended. That's pretty easy, right? No problem. Yep, we just can go home now. We got that figured out. All right. So why? Because offense is an event, but offended is a choice. Offense is an event. Offended is a choice. In our world today, in our culture, it's becoming increasingly evident that people get offended. It seems like by the smallest things, it seems by just about anything, it becomes more and more prevalent. Um, and some of the offenses that we deal with, they may be small offenses, but they might actually pile up. So here are some of the offenses that we have. Did you see how she looked at me? Like, really? I can't believe that. Did you see how she looked at me? 
How dare that person cut me off in traffic? Oh. And then this one. She left me on red. How dare she? Now, I have to qualify this one for the older generation, including myself, because I didn't know this until a couple years ago. She left me on red means when someone texts you and you know they read it, but they don't respond. That's, if you ever hear that, it's very offensive. She left me on red, all right? Then, wow, he did not even wave back at me. What's up with him? And then you're in traffic, right? Speed up. How come you're going so slow, right? They just keep piling up, right? And then just something, anything happens. And then you're just like, are you kidding me right now? Again? So what can happen is these small offenses, they, they pile up more and more and more. And then we can easily be offended by just about anything. And oftentimes we want to point out how other people have offended us, but we don't want to look, come back and look at our own hearts and how we're responding to people. And, um, and that's what Jesus does. So we're going to go ahead and turn to Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's, that's pretty, pretty hard, right? Jesus' approach is to drop the offense with forgiveness. This is what we refer to as spiritual prison. We, cho we choose to hold on to hurts and pains and, we, and not to forgive. And as we live our lives, this causes guilt. And we personally don't experience the freedom of forgiveness that Jesus offers in our lives. We constantly hear we talk about how Jesus freely forgives our sins, and this is true. We talk about how he's full of grace and he's full of mercy, but... If we are choosing to hold on to anger and eventually bitterness, this passage is saying that Jesus will not forgive our sins. This leaves us in a spiritual prison. And because we feel that guilt oftentimes, it makes us so much easier to feel offended by the things that other people do when they mistreat us. But you know what? Also, we can feel offended when we think we are being mistreated. So one of the things I wanted to do with you here this morning is I wanted to show you a model, and um, I'll try not to use my, my teaching voice. Um, and when I get into psychological things, I, you know, sort of narrow in on that. Um, but anyways, this is the cognitive behavior model. And if you, if you see here, you look at situation. This is anything that happens to a person. These are situations that are outside our control. It could be something somebody said, something somebody did, or some circumstance of life that happened. All right? That is the situation. But what happens here, if you look in the middle, 
is the thoughts, beliefs, and emotions. That's what a person thinks or believes about the situation. Then that can have to do with how they think about themselves, their own value that they have in themselves. It could have to do with um, basically how they interpret a particular situation. And then you add emotions in there, and we know what happens when emotions get involved, right? The emotions get involved, and their emotions are not necessarily logic. So you combine that with your emotions, perhaps feeling offended, and your thoughts and beliefs about a situation, about a person, or about yourself, and you can come to a conclusion where you feel offended when the person that offended you may not have done anything actually wrong. But it's based sometimes on your interpretation of that event or your interpretation on what happened as to whether or not you're going to go ahead and have that feeling of offense and react in anger towards that person. So the process can happen that we jump to conclusions about a person's intentions and their heart, and we judge them severely. Sometimes because of our own guilt, it becomes a spiritual prison that we have embraced. Let's continue on and see what Jesus has to say in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of hell. Another way to translate that particular verse that's there, verse 22, is to say, but I say, if you're even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Ultimately, choosing to be offended affects my heart. Choosing to be offended affects my heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever is going on in your mind, whatever you're continuing to dwell on is eventually going to come out. Here I'm talking about an emotional prison. Remember when I shared about the behavior change when the inmate went from street clothes to the oranges, right? There was a behavior change. Uh, there was an acceptance that that's how things were. And when we feel ourselves getting upset and we dwell on our thoughts over and over again, about how dare that person say or do those things? Don't they know how much it hurts? Then it's no longer about the actions that that person has done. Hate can then begin to set in, and we paint a picture of that person that may be completely false. But then it doesn't stop there. Others begin to say things, and they offend us. And it becomes the wrong kind of multiplication process. We have this chip on our shoulder, ready to be hurt at any moment and to fight back. Sometimes we become verbally aggressive. Sometimes we become passive aggressive to people's faces or behind their back. 
then we voluntarily put ourselves in an emotional prison. We come to a point where we accept this is just how life is. I'm just going to try and survive. So the choice to remain offended has affected our hearts. It leaves us in this emotional prison and there will be collateral damage. As in the passage that was just shared, this makes us guilty before the judge of all, God. Thanks be to Jesus Christ, through whom there is no condemnation for those who trust in him. But sometimes there can be consequences here on earth. Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24, let's continue to see what Jesus is saying. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar first, and go be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So during this time, Jesus is talking about a Jewish person that would be bringing their sacrifice before God. They'd be going up to the temple and bringing the sacrifice to God to cover their sin. What he's saying is that before you bring your sacrifice to the temple, along the way, stop and be reconciled. If there's someone that has something against you, go and be reconciled to that person. So some of you might be sitting here saying, oh, well, I'm not Jewish, and I don't bring my sacrifice to the temple, so I think I'm off the hook here, right? I think I'm off the hook because I don't have to do that. Well, Jesus here, he's talking about a heart attitude when you approach worshiping him. Let me give you a couple of verses that help us to apply this passage directly to our lives. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. See, choosing to be offended hinders my worship. Choosing to be offended hinders my worship. If you're trying to figure out God's will for your life, yet holding on to offense, it can become extremely difficult to know God's will for your life. You may be thinking in your mind while you're sitting here, you might say to me, Kurt, but you have no idea what this person has done. And it's true. I may not know. There's so much hurt and pain in this world, I can only imagine, and a crowd this size, how many have experienced significant hurt. I can remember doing, they were the first sessions when I would do counseling, do uh, intake sessions with my clients. And the entire session would be information gathering. I would sit there and listen to years of hurt and pain, physical, emotional, 
um, physical abuse that people have endured. I'd have to sit without getting extremely angry and wanting to go beat the person up that harmed the person that's sitting in front of me. And so I would have to limit the amount of intakes I would do in a day because it was emotionally exhausting. It'd be so overwhelming to hear that. And I say all of that to you to say that I get it. The pain is real, but God's desire is not for us to hang on to that pain. When we're talking about forgiveness, we're talking about forgiving that person, we're talking about canceling a debt. I understand that sometimes that means setting limits. That doesn't mean being a doormat. That doesn't mean leaving yourself in an abusive situation. That does mean being assertive. But it also means forgiving. What can happen if we don't forgive and then we become more and more offended by the little things and then we feel like the victim again. Don't be that. This quote here is from a counselor by the name of Rick Thomas related to not becoming the victim. When Jesus cried from the cross, it is finished. He meant there was no need for any more victims. The cross is the world's sin magnet, yours and others, to Christ's person and work. Nobody should be that vicarious sacrifice victim for any offense. It's a punishment that we can't bear, which is why we must talk about what happens when someone places their sin on you. They make you the victim which you can't control. Your call to action is not to let it become your identity. The long-term effect of taking on that person's sin will have a detrimental impact on your soul. I trust what I have to say to you will turn the tide from victim to victor. Though the idea of vicarious sacrifice may be new to you in the context of abuse, the more significant issue is to find the help you need to work through what happened to you. A vicarious sacrifice feels the ongoing effect of someone else's sin. Remember, offense is an event. Offended is a choice. Choose forgiveness. This is the choice that we have. We have the choice to forgive. Let's look at the final reason Jesus gives us to forgive. Matthew 5, 25 and 26. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who has taken you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Take notice here that not only are we expected to deal with things related to offense, we're to deal with it quickly. We're not to let it stew and ruminate in our minds until that person that has offended us becomes a monster in our eyes. Now, you might not go to prison over the offense that you choose to hang on to, but you might build a prison of offense 
where you lock yourself up in bitterness for so long. Like that person who accepts that they're literally in a prison when they change their clothes. When you clothe yourself with bitterness, you are accepting either an emotional or a spiritual prison. And it's very hard to climb out of that unless you replace building walls with building bridges. As you can see here, we've looked at a process where this individual, being me with the hat, right, this individual has placed bars all around himself. It could be one offense or another. It could be, my wife did this, she said that. Um, you know, she wouldn't let me take my truck out for a joyride. I don't know. Like, it could be multiple things that happen over and over again that I become offended by and I build a fence. I build a prison around myself and see what happens when we build that prison. We want to have good relationships with people, but if we continue to hold on to that offense, that makes it extremely difficult. And we voluntarily place ourselves in prison. And we may, like in that picture there, where, you know, I'm looking pretty bitter there, or I have a stomach ache or something like that, right? And maybe I have a stomach ache because I'm bitter, right? But I want to have that relationship with my wife, a good relationship. Um, so I need to knock down those walls, and I need to build a bridge. And when I build that bridge, then I get to cross that bridge and experience the joy of a good relationship with my wife. And that's the opportunity that you have when you choose to not hold on to offenses and you choose to build bridges instead of building walls. So here's the question. What choice are you going to make? Will you make the choice to drop the offense with forgiveness? Or will you keep going to destruction, to a prison of your own making? Do you want to build a prison or a bridge? Because choosing to be offended builds walls instead of a bridge. If you want to build a bridge, I'm going to leave with you four practical steps that you can do today. They're from the book of Proverbs. I'd encourage you to write them down or take a picture of them as when they're all up there. Um, the first one there is to refuse to retaliate. I don't know about you, but when someone wrongs me, I, you know, I want to, my instinct is I want to retaliate. That's not what Jesus would have us to do. Refuse to retaliate. And secondly, prioritize relationships over being right. Do you have to be right all the time? Do you have to show that that person is wrong? Or is the relationship more valuable to you than holding on to that offense? So prioritize relationships over being right. Harsh hurts go gentle. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Be gentle. Don't be harsh. And lastly, fight to forgive. If forgiveness is something that we value, which we should because Jesus values forgiveness and he's told us to forgive. 
Don't just treat it in a nonchalant manner where you're just like, yeah, okay, I guess I should forgive. No, fight to forgive. Sometimes it's hard. Fight to forgive. And I know as we talk here on Sunday mornings, we, we try and make it so that the word of God is immediately applicable to your life. But the really, really important part of this is your personal relationship with God. Don't try and do this on your own. You need to pursue Jesus and your relationship with him. So number one, if you don't know him, this is really hard, even harder to do. Um, so make that part right if you, are, if you don't know Jesus as your leader and forgiver. If you do know him as your leader and forgiver, it requires submission on a daily basis for us to be able to do these things, for us to be able to forgive. Oftentimes, forgiveness is a supernatural act of the work of God, the work of Jesus in me and through me to you. So allow Jesus to work in your life, submit to him, and he can help you to build this bridge so that you can reconcile these relationships before you go to worship God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that you are so good. I thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Thank you for forgiveness. That you are there and ready and willing to forgive us at any moment. God, you were so gracious. Thank you. I pray, God, that we would reflect your heart to those around us each and every day. Um, that we would show your love. And um, we would see many come to know you. Thank you, God, for all that you've done for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.